0: Welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank, here with Byron. And Byron, of course, is we're in week two of the uh, Trump presidency and a uh, new regime. Just a lot of things going on with that. We're going to get into that, of course. But before we uh, touch on the new presidency and all the things along with it, tell listeners about our show and what we're going to talk about today.
1: We are in season two and pretty much, uh, we try to provide news and politics for those that don't follow it on a day to day basis. We try to condense it to an hour or less and, uh, just bring it to you in a way that, you know, you can understand. Before we get into the serious stuff, we like to start off with non-political things and man, oh man, I lost some points last week. Okay. And let me clear something up. Folks, it's not that I don't, I didn't know new edition. I knew about New Edition. I just didn't know the individual members and all the details and stuff. But man, y'all came for me with that admission last week. Corey Cumberlander, Aunt B, am talking to y'all. And look, listen, I went to school with my with my mom in elementary. She was a teacher. I went to that school. I was asleep most of the time. And when I wasn't asleep, she was listening to Luther Vandross. Other than that, I wasn't into music. I didn't listen to music. But we didn't have cable, and I couldn't watch them. So, okay. So I need I need for the black delegation to get together, y'all figure out, y'all deliberate on how I can make up these points that I lost with y'all. Because you guys came for me in person in my inbox. And, and what can I say? It happened. Some of y'all didn't know two chains was titty boy. Some of y'all didn't know the same dude that's Bobby Valentino, sung blackberry molasses back in the day. It happens. OK, so y'all do that for your boy, because y'all really came for me. Speaking of coming for people, Frank. LeBron James and Charles Barkley, they had a little verbal spat. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I, I felt like what Charles Barkley said about LeBron was very constructive. And I and I actually agree with him because at some point, you know, I'm a Miami Heat fan. I love the big three. He has a big three in Cleveland, but he's still asking for more. He's trying to get Carmelo. They, they signed Tristan Thompson to a max deal. So Barkley criticized him on that lebron came back and went personal like how he spit on somebody and was partying in vegas before an all-star game was lebron justified because he does take a lot of criticism and he rarely responds so maybe he was just fed up and had enough or did he go a little bit too far with going personal on Chuck?
0: so i look at it one of two ways uh did he go too far maybe he went too far but I'd say that his relationship with Barkley is a little different because remember Barkley and Wade are friends and probably LeBron and Barkley kind of somewhat more friendly than say the average media person so LeBron probably felt a little bit you know because LeBron's a little bit emo we know that and he probably felt a little bit taken aback that Barkley who he probably somewhat likes and respects was coming for him so hard um, and, and I just think that his response wasn't it wasn't so personal like you know everybody knows about him going to Vegas and about things like that so it wasn't super personal it was just like public record personal things so to me it wasn't necessarily out of line but it certainly was somebody who was very bothered by those comments and I think for LeBron it's like just do you like I I would say that um he didn't need to respond like that. Like, I don't have a problem with him saying he needs more help because they do need more help if they're going to try to be Golden State. I mean, that's the thing that people don't understand. That, that thing that LeBron's getting a lot of flag for and is he's saying, Oh, I need help. He needs help to be Golden State. I mean, he doesn't need help to beat Toronto or to beat uh, Boston or whoever is in the East. I just think that when you look at that Golden State team, I think just like last year, they're, they're still up against a, a tough battle. So I don't really have a problem with him trying to make his team better. He wants to win a championship and uh you know personally i think it's all jokes i mean with everything going on in the world i think that i think it was a welcome exchange to be honest with you i hope barkley pokes more nba players and they all pop off at him because one thing i said about barkley is he doesn't care and he'll he'll continue to come at people and that's one thing that you know although i don't agree with some of the things he says certainly politically that he said i I do respect the fact that he's willing to say whatever he's going to say he doesn't back up from it so that part was cool and the fact that lebron reacted or didn't or, or reacted it's just part of part of life you know these are these these uh which these millennials man you can't come at them but so much they're gonna snap so that's kind of how it is man trump v trump versus arnold
1: schwarzenegger lebron versus barkley rajon rondo versus dwayne wade and b versus me because i don't know new, new edition and it's just the first month well we in the early part of february now but we just barely got 2017 started so interesting stuff going on But with that y'all, let's get ready to get into some politics. Listening to Politically Entertaining, your cliff's notes to American politics to another- and now your host Entertaining. We Frank ask that you subscribe to Politically Entertaining. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Podbean, just enter in politically entertaining. Also you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Politically Entertaining. We're also on Twitter at the Vocal Minority. That's the DA Vocal Minority on Twitter. Uh, so follow us. We'll be talking to Saleem Muhammad later on in the show. We're going to discuss uh, the Supreme Court pick that uh, Trump had. And I uh, also want to welcome some new listeners. we got a lot of new people on our Facebook page and social media following us. So want to welcome you guys. Hope you enjoy the show. Wanted to start off, Frank, I need to make a correction. Last week I said Obama had 217 executive orders. He had 275. Ulysses S. Grant was the one that had 217, but the point still stands. He had the least amount of executive orders of any two-term president since Ulysses S. Grant. Grant was the one that had 217. Obama had 275. And no other two-term president had less than that until you get to Ulysses S. Grant, who I said left office in 1877. Uh Frank,
0: I believe you got a little something that you wanted to uh get off your chest, bro. Uh, thank you for giving me the floor, uh, Brother Byron, but, you know, I just wanted to say there's a lot of things going on right now, and I know that the immigration ban, obviously, if you've been watching any kind of news, is, has made the news, but I just wanted to say that um, the, more, the more frightening thing, the more scary thing is the fact that Steve Bannon is now in charge of uh, National Security Council. Uh, Donald Trump has dismissed the military presence that was there, and you've got a guy who's Basically, it founded Breitbart News and Alt-Right, uh, you know, architect who now is making policy. And for those who don't understand the National Security Council's power, they can basically identify an enemy of the state, target them, kill them with no, uh, no blowback, no consequences. That's a very, very frightening thing. And... Just with this executive order that was signed banning people who were uh, green card holders, and I want to say that, you know, we have a very negative stigma of green card holders, but what people don't understand is a green card holder is a full U.S. person. I mean, you could be, you could probably be a citizen. Some people just choose not to be a citizen of this country because they like living in their home country. They work there, and a green card basically allows them full access to do everything except for really be a citizen. So I think that banning green card holders who are, you know, full U.S. persons as far as, you know, anything like as far as anything like that goes is a very, very crazy thing. And I think we have the stigma about what a green card is. So we didn't, it didn't really raise our flags. I just want to say that we're in a position where we're not free uh, like we used to be. And I don't mean that is, you know, we're going back to slavery or anything like that. For those who are listening, what I'm saying is. Our very freedoms are being compromised by people who are stretching the checks and balances system because everybody said, "Oh, they don't want a politician. We don't want a politician." So you have basically these guys who are not politicians. They are uh, dictators, authoritarian people where they're trying to impose a will. They're trying to reshape uh, the the electorate. They're they're de- deporting people. That's their new. Ger- we talk about gerrymandering on previous episodes. They're deporting people to gerrymander with the with the electorate, with the with the world, with this country because there is a movement to, uh, you know, a great example is the Syrian family who uh, was deported or was denied entry back to the United States, uh, and they voted for Donald Trump. And, you know, they thought that they were part of the, you know, the, the new regime. They thought they were like, well, we're, you know, not, you know, we're not Muslim, we're Christian, we're not black, we're we, we're white. No, they're like, you're, you're from Syria, you're going back, you're not getting in this country. And I think that you know, we have to wake up and realize that we are being divided as people over these very small things. Whereas, you know, obviously you got black people over here, you've got Mexican people over here, you've got, uh, you know, Syrians, Muslims over here, whatever you want to say, and they're putting you in a little corner. But what they're doing is they're sectioning you off. First, it's going to be the Muslims, then it may be the Mexicans, then it's going to be the blacks. And we're all got to realize that now is the time to fight. And now is the time to not, you know, Give up and be too tired because you gotta work and you gotta come home and pick your daughter from daycare. You really have to fight. And I'm gonna give you a couple of options of things to do. If you have a smartphone, which I'm sure you do if you listen to this podcast, download the Vote Spotter app, download the Countable app. And what those apps do is it allows you to see how your congressmen, how your senators are voting, what's being, being voted on. A lot of times you don't even know what's going on. You just like see it on Facebook. You have got to get more involved in looking at your news on Facebook because you know, four years from now you're assuming there's gonna be elections. You're assuming there's gonna be an America that you can make a choice in. Well you better make sure what's being voted on allows that to happen. So again, those apps are vote spotter accountable there's also uh, you know other ways to get involved you want to donate monthly to the ACLU. that's something you can do I know one of the things we talked about this season is how to become more active and a lot of times you hear about activism activism is not clicktivism activism is not sharing posts and commenting on posts activism is actually doing something whether you be donating your time money or or doing something like that so that's just one of the ways you can get involved we'll have more things put more things on the on the on the Facebook page website as well I just wanted to get that out uh, and just wake people up in understanding that there is a power grab a hostile takeover going on in this country and while we argue about you know sm- small things like people's speeches at award shows or LeBron's p- place in history the world is being changed fundamentally underneath us and i just wanted us all to be aware and be accountable for you know for this so that we can take action and not be caught left holding the bag
1: what frank just said pretty much sums up what we hope to accomplish with this season, as he spoke about activism and, and being involved and being informed, which is what we try, which, which which is what we hope this show does for many of you, because I trust me, I, I know politics, news, especially politics, the nuances of it, it can be boring. And so, you know, that's fine. And that's why me and Frank we we do this and try to bring it to you in a condensed version and let you know what's important. Again, those apps were vote vote spot, vote spotter. I can't talk vote spotter and counter. And one other thing I want to touch on what what you mentioned, Frank. This is an off year. This is an off year. There is no presidential election. There is no, there are no congressional elections. This is the perfect time for members to sneak in certain bills when they know the masses are not paying attention. So what we're basically trying to say is make sure you pay attention, even if it's just tuning in to us, that's fine. And I'm not even saying just listen to us, you know, get your news sources from several, several different places. Cause sometimes we get stuff wrong. I had to make a correction at the beginning of the show, but just be informed. Don't just walk around like everything is going to be okay. Uh, coming up. Um, I am going to touch on empathy You'll you'll see what I mean when we get to it towards the end of the show, and we'll also discuss uh, Neil Gorsuch. He is the uh, he is Trump's pick for the Supreme Court. Uh, but right now, let's talk to Salim Muhammad. Listen up! It's time for a politically entertaining, exclusive interview with us uh he told us a funny story that i i enjoyed about how when he applied for a a job i think the guy that was doing the hiring saw his name and then once he saw his face he was kind of relieved that he wasn't i think you can correct me on this Celine. quote you're not one of those type of muhammad's or muslims um (laughs) i enjoyed that man appreciate you coming back with us man
2: Uh, i appreciate it Uh, i love your show and uh You know, you and Frank have always been cool to me, so, you know, I always want to contribute where I can.
1: Cool, cool, man. So, we all know D.C. is one of the most powerful cities in the country. A lot has been going on in the last few weeks, so I'm going to start right off with the question that's on everybody's mind in this powerful city. Are the Washington Redskins going to re-sign Kirk Cousins, or are they going to let him go free (laughs) agency?
2: Yeah,
1: we, can start, we can start there. That's the important question you want to jump <laughs> off with. <you> know? <laughs> I got a quick two minutes on that one. <laughs> nah, man, I was messing with you, man. I know
2: you were scared, so yeah. Unless you wanted to weigh in on it. You can weigh in on it, man. All right, real quick on Kirk Cousins, man. Look, they need to offer that dude four years, $72 million, about 36 to $40 million guaranteed. And if he and his agent don't like that, he and his agent can walk to San Francisco and hang out with Kyle Shanahan and Ruin the rest of his career on, the, on that
1: note. So that's all I got to say on that. I'm going to some people who who can uh, reach him and uh, see what they think, man. Uh, but to to get it to some and some more serious stuff, uh, with this travel ban that's going on, is is being talked about in a lot of circles. Has your president made you feel safer with this travel ban that he has invoked in the last week and a half now?
2: Well, first and foremost, I don't think I have a president, to be honest. Uh, the, the, the guy that I had before I went on my birthday trip, uh, he's since retired. and You know, I guess his two terms are up. So, you know, the guy that's currently in office, I like to refer to him as the Grand Wizard Cheeto. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with him and all of these executive orders that he's pushing through. But, I mean, look, look the dude said – that he was going to do a lot of different things to make America great again. And I guess by alienating, um, regions of the world, um, I think that's what he's attempting to do and trying to make his America great again for him and, and his ilk. So, uh, the Grand Wizard Cheeto is, uh, he's doing everything he said he would do during the election and the primaries. And here we are.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Yes, we are, man. OK. Grand Wizard Cheeto. So uh, Trump or a.k.a. Grand Wizard Cheeto, as you put it, uh, Trump is now the president. And one of his okay. top advisors is uh, Steve Bannon. Now, what's interesting about both of these guys is Bannon, you know, he he didn't really pay attention to politics, he says, until he joined the Navy. And once he joined the Navy, he felt like uh Jimmy Carter effed up the country, as he put it. So he became a, a Republican. And as he got older, he felt like George Bush effed up the country as well. So he's kind of like, you know, he hates both parties and he really wants to change the whole entire political system. Trump, as we know, had a bunch of liberal views. And then I think it was in the early 2000s or maybe mid 2000s where he began to make that right turn, criticizing Obama and, you know, eventually making it to the presidency. So they both are kind of like outsiders. My question to you is: We know how Trump craves power and his way, but Bannon is a very influential man as well, and he seems. I guess my question for you is: Who's running this country right now? Is it Trump, or are we seeing a lot of what Steve Bannon wants America to be?
2: Uh, well, your earlier question about you know the ban, um, I don't think he's making America safe again by alienating. Uh, that region. I didn't want to go without uh, go without answering that question. And now to this particular question here about who's running the country, uh, I think that's yet to be seen. Um, Trump is the president in name, um, and and Bannon is his his top advisor. I mean, we know that he's reorganized the National Security Council by eliminating Joint Chiefs of Staff and other um, prominent individuals within the intelligence community, and made Bannon his go-to guy. So um, we have a lot of different uh, situations here. It's a very unique situation where you have a lot of under underprepared people in a lot of very vital roles within this administration. This administration's cabinet um, going all the way up to the people that he has speaking to him, like Sean Spicer speaking for him, like Sean Spicer and Kellyanne Conway. Uh, Steve Bannon is very similar. And now Steve Bannon, who has been in line. With the quote-unquote alt-right, which we'll go ahead and say are neo-Nazis, uh, and 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 Breitbart, um, he's 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 flowed with that ideology for a long time since he's left the Navy and 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 gone all the way to the, uh, the Republican side. Um, so um, who's running the country? I think that still is yet to be seen. I mean, granted, we've we've only been what two and a half weeks into this administration, and things are so haywire. We don't know what side is up. We don't know what side is down. We don't know what's coming next. I think we all have to take a deep breath and, and just kind of let things fall where they will because a lot of things that are being done right now, whoever's, whoever's pushing the buttons, whether it's Trump, whether it's Bannon, whether it's Pence, whoever's pushing the buttons right now, um, they're doing a lot of things that are very unconstitutional, um, you know, very um, inhumane to a certain degree. And we still have yet to see what these consequences are on these executive orders that only last, what, 90 to 120 days. Um, He still doesn't even have his cabinet together yet. Um, He still doesn't have, for instance, State Department, that whole management team, they effectively left. I mean, I don't know if they were told to leave. I don't know if they just decided they weren't going to be a part of this administration. but. The, you know, the State Department is kind of running wild by itself without leadership. It's a chicken without it's, a chicken without its head cut off, and um, you know, I, I I can't really answer that. I don't know that, but there's a lot of craziness going on right now, so we don't know who's running what.
0: Yeah, that's that's a pretty big real answer right there. Who knows what's running what? But one of the things that I'm seeing is obviously see the travel ban, the 90 to 120 days, as you mentioned. Uh, one of the things I want to ask you is can you see, you know, obviously you have groups like Black Lives Matter and things like that. Can you see those kind of groups coming under fire with a cabinet consisting of a Jeff Sessions, Jeff Sessions and some of these other guys who are known to have uh, some white supremacist ties, could we see something where people who are associated with Black Lives Matter are are labeled as a hate group and and basically then going but doubling back down on what Byron said about Steve Bannon being head of the National Security Council, people basically in Black Lives Matter being targeted, which um, if you read some reports they already are. So could you see a further uh, divide of that kind of thing happening?
2: You know what, I think that's a great question. I think down the line that's very possible because of these individuals that Trump has linked himself to um, within this political venue here, um, I think right now, though, the, the, the main focus on as far as counter extremism is solely targeted at Islam. So you know, you can have the KKK run wild, you can have Black Lives Matter run wild. As long as they're made in America, they can go ahead and run wild. But if, if you if you start speaking Arabic or you wear a hijab or, or you, you, you genuflect in your prayer, uh, you, you will be a target. So I think right now the, the main focus right now is Islam. We, we heard that throughout the entire Republican National Convention, you know, radical Islam. Hillary's scared to say it, but it's radical Islam. Barack Obama's is afraid to say it. It's radical Islam because he's a Muslim socialist Christian Jew, whatever the hell they label him as, you know, something crazy. So, um, you know, I think down the line, though, once they they start to see what's what, then they can start to shift their focus to, to being black, uh, to, to, to targeting black. Because we all know, I mean, all, all three of us know, as a black man, you know, <laughs> everyone, everyone who's treated like shit in this country, uh, it, it all kind of goes back to how blacks have been treated for uh, 400, 500-plus years in, in this country here, dating back to slavery. So um, right now, the the new black is Islam. (laughs) The new black is being a Muslim. So that's what it is right now. But down the line, I can see it getting back to that within this four-year line.
1: We are talking to Salim Mohammed, who happens to be a great follower on social media. If you're privileged enough to uh, follow him on there, he posts some some pretty funny stuff on there. And one of the reasons we had you on, because we touched on it the last time you were on here, was that you are of the Muslim faith, but you don't. I think a lot of Americans still associate Muslims with a race, like you you look a certain way to be a Muslim. And I, I don't know why we haven't caught on to that yet. But uh, what I wanted to ask you was. Do you remember where you were during the Bowling Green massacre? <laughs>
2: So what I, what I saw the, the, Mar- the Bowling Green, Maryland game about two years ago where Bowling Green beat the breaks off of Maryland 50 some odd to, to 28. I thought that was the Bowling Green mascot that, uh, <laughs> was talking about. But, uh, apparently there was some type of, uh, Iraqi extremists that had shot, that shot up Bowling Green and I guess nobody knew what happened. So I guess I was in my house. Uh, waiting for that, 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 see that crawl on my CNN, but that never came through. So, yeah, I guess that's where I was when the Bowling Green Massacre happened.
0: Let's <laughs> leave, I'm gonna jump in here real quick and uh, ask you another question. And, you know, with the, with the story, the fake Bowling Green Massacre, uh, and other such, you know, fake news sites that kind of pr- proliferate themselves on social media. What do you think could be the negative effects some of these fake news sites on the Muslim community uh, going forward as we uh, look look ahead in this administration?
2: I, I think that's always been the agenda r- r- before Trump and before Kellyanne Conway. Uh, I think a lot of a, a lot of news publications, depending on how they lean. Uh, they are very, very quick to, to, to paint Islam as a, a, a religion of terror. Um, but, they, I mean, there are Muslims around the world that are helping to, to push that narrative too, right? So, yeah. Yeah. you know, the, the more that these, these extremists go to that point where they are uh, continuing to uh, exhibit this violence inside and outside of uh, the U.S. borders, um, you know, someone's always going to have that fuel. Uh, to write situations like that. Uh, like for instance, the, 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 shooting at the Orlando Gay Bar, uh, where the Muslim guy screamed out, Allah Akbar, and they tried to immediate, immediately link him to ISIS. I don't even know if that was ever proven that he was, uh, part of ISIS or even affiliated with ISIS, but, you know, when, when someone does something like that, you know, that, that makes it easy to continue to write these stories, to continue to, push that agenda, to continue to push that propaganda. Um, so that was happening long before this fake news phenomenon started happening um, over the last uh, few months or so, um, alternative facts and fake news and what have you. So, um, you know, that's been nothing new being a Muslim in this country. So, um, you know, that that's not new to me. It's just more of a focused phenomenon now. And I think that's because a lot of people are still in shock. About Trump winning the election. I think we were all in immediate shock when it happened because we were like, oh yeah, America can't be this stupid, but America has proven time and time again that yes, <laughs> yes, there are a lot of stupid people in this country. Um, so I think we as black people, we, <laughs> I think after we were just kind of like, man, that's crazy. We just kept it moving. We kept it moving. Um, you had some that are very pro Trump and part of his black history. Push forward in his uh, Black History Roundtable yesterday, you had some of us who are just like, man, that's history, man. We, we've seen this shit before. We saw it with Bush, uh, Bush too. We saw it with uh, Reagan. We saw it with Nixon. You know, we, we've seen this before. We've seen this story. We know how it ends. But in this particular situation, um, I think that this dude, this Grand Wizard Cheetah, was crazy. So you don't know what button he will push in order to start something Something that's so massive to the likes that we've never seen before. And I think that these, these, these white folks, especially white women that didn't vote, they're now seeing or feeling the effects of the, uh, of their bad choices. And I wish, to be honest, that when they went marching, if you didn't vote and you went marching, uh, a couple weekends ago, I wish you would have marched your ass into the Potomac River and just stayed there because, because of you and your inaction, We are here at this point now where we're just kind of like, you know, we just hope the sun is up every time we wake up every day. So, I mean, that's that's how I feel about that.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of those people try to have it both ways to where they didn't like Hillary. They knew they didn't want Trump, but they didn't like Hillary. So they felt like, well, she's going to win and I cannot vote for her. Therefore, my, so to speak, conscience will be clear. But, you know, I know Trump won't get in. and, And now it's like he's in there. Uh, but I did want to get you out of here with one last question. You mentioned Trump's cabinet and how he, uh, still has people waiting to get confirmed. And we all saw how terrible, uh, Bessie DeVos did. We'll discuss her later. Uh, Jeff Sessions is up there. Uh, we, th- he has quite a few of them. Are any of them, which one of them are, are the scariest to you? You have Sessions who will be up for the Department of Justice. DeVos, DeVos, I mean, that'll be over, uh, um, education secretary and she, you know, once isn't against guns in schools and things like that. So are any of these cabinet members like really stick out to you and and really make you say, wow, we, we really need to do something to try to keep them out of this, uh, presidential cabinet.
2: I think those two are the, the most, the, the most problematic. Uh, I think sessions is extremely problematic because of his ties. Um, to white nationalism in Alabama, whether it's KKK, whether it's neo-Nazi, whatever that is. I mean, he has a long-standing history to the point where Coretta Scott King had to beg the state of Alabama to reconsider um, 30 years ago, where she wrote a letter basically stating that uh, she didn't think Jeff Sessions was um, was humane enough to serve uh, that state, that state that has strong racial divides still to this day. Um, but to, to prop him up now as the Attorney General of the United States, um, I mean, that's scary for blacks, um, you know, because if you think about that whole, that, that whole roundtable of people that Trump had initially set out with, like Chris Christie and, 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 and Rudy Giuliani, oh, yeah. the initiative of stop and frisk and all that stuff. Jeff Sessions is now there, the funnel. He's the funnel that can get a lot of that stuff through. As being the top dog at, at DOJ. So if he's Attorney General, you know, a lot of things can change for us uh, young black men and they can continue to f- fill the prison as they've been doing the last thirty, forty years in this country and, and fill it up with more of us and, 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 and just further breaking down um, the fabric of the black family as it should be. Um, so that's scary. And DeVos, um, I mean, her, <laughs> <laughs> her questions and, and uh, I, I, where, where, where she was in the uh, the panel with uh, Elizabeth Warren, boss um, is scary. She's extremely scary in the fact that she believes that guns should be in schools. Like Sandy Hook didn't just happen about two or three years ago. Like that that never happened. Like uh, like Columbine never happened ten years ago. So I mean, for her to say stuff like that and 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 the like. I mean, I think she's an idiot personally, and I think that having an idiot try to already run uh, an education system that is failing across the board, especially with the resources that we have, um, you're putting us further behind the eight ball by having somebody with lack of experience in the Department of Education. I mean, there's other ones. I mean, Linda McMahon and small business. I mean, come on. Really? Yeah, Rick so there's Perry. A lot of, there's
1: a lot. Uh, I said Rick Perry as well. <laughs>
2: Yeah, repairing the EPA. I mean, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. You know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a show, to be honest. But, um, look, look, I've always said this. I know Frank has seen me say it. You might have seen me say it too, Byron. You know, the people that voted for Trump, they got the president they deserve. Yeah. And, you know, all the promises that he made to those people, and those small people, they'll see, they'll see exactly what's going to happen. Um, You'll see what's going to happen. We're seeing it now. Like for instance, the the kids, his sons, went on some trip where the taxpayers are going to have to pay nine hundred thousand dollars because of Secret Service. They went to some trip, and then you know his Trump's upcoming trip to Moscow is going to cost taxpayers three million dollars. So you know, I mean, there's a lot of funny stuff happening. And then this wall that he was talked about, he's still trying to tell Mexico. They're going to pay for it. Mexico's telling it Himself, right. But now people have done tabulation, saying that if you can't get Mexico to pay for this wall, it's going to cost American taxpayers one hundred twenty dollars per household to to fulfill this this inane dream of a wall that will prevent Mexicans from uh, crossing our borders as if there's no things as planes or boats or other things that can get them across if they so see fit. Um, so look, they voted him in. They got the guy they wanted. Let's see what happens in these four years. You know? That's how and I feel about that. That's
1: been the funniest part of his presidency to me. Uh we're gonna build a wall. Mexico's gonna pay for it. They're gonna pay for it. Okay, we'll pay for it. They're gonna pay us back. Sure, buddy. Um, but I, I, I can't. I can't say this enough, man. You know, with this, with this administration, you know, it's just gonna be a wild four years if he makes it to four years and. He's going to give us a lot of material, man. So all we can do is just sit back and watch, man. But as always, we appreciate you making time for us and coming on, man. Hey, man,
2: thanks for having me, man. And look, Alec Baldwin, if anybody needs a career revival, it's him. And Donald Trump is helping him in a big way. So look forward to that. That's coming soon. Indeed. <laughs> Salim
1: Mohammed, everybody. Thanks for joining us, brother.
2: Thanks, man. Good to see you. Talk to you.
1: I want to thank Saleem Muhammad one more time for coming on the show. Uh, he went a lot harder this time than he did last time, Frank. Um, you can catch that interview. Uh, we'll eventually have it on our YouTube page, but we we have other interviews as well. We have a YouTube page, Politically Entertaining. We'll have that interview up soon. Um, Frank, I just wanted to see what you got from it because I liked how you mentioned uh you know, when we're discussing Jeff Sessions, how Black Lives Matters can get can get targeted. And we've seen that historically with the Black Panthers, with Martin Luther King. Anytime some prominent, strong black voice speaks out, you know, the our Department of Justice seems to go after them. And with Jesse Je- Je- Jeff Sessions uh, about to be the head of the Department of Justice, that's something we really want to look at. And uh, I just like, you know. Salim Muhammad's thoughts on a lot of things. Grand Wizard Cheeto, I hadn't heard before. I've heard President Cheez It and some other things. So he brought us a new one. What did you get from the interview? You
0: know, honestly, just, just the, just the candor from somebody who is black and a Muslim who that's kind of a, what you call a double whammy in so many, in so many ways. Obviously the Muslim community is being targeted now, but you know, he also understands that obviously as being black, that's also a target as well, and just and just the just the fact that there are so many people with so many agendas against both groups, and how you know how he's managing that is, is a unique and interesting perspective. And that's always good to talk to him because he has a great perspective on you know how things you know had been, and and just looking forward to see what this administration is going to be. And really, the, the 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 crazy thing is, as knowledgeable as Salim is, he basically at the end of the day said he has no idea what's going to happen, which is kind of scary because none of us really know what's going to happen. So I think we're just going to have to play it out. But again, it's always great having him on. So I'm sure uh, something else may go down. We may have him back and it'll be interesting to get his take on that as well.
1: As you heard me talking a moment ago, I almost called Jeff Sessions, Jesse Helms, which would have been a mistake that really wouldn't have been a mistake because if you know who Jesse Helms is, it's not much difference between him and uh, Jeff Sessions. Uh, look him up, Jesse Helms, North Carolina. Uh, I want to talk about Neil Gorsuch, who Trump has now picked for the Supreme Court. Uh, and I just want to tell you people up front, don't listen to the Republicans. Don't listen to the Democrats, because the Republicans are going to tell you how great and how moderate and how he is perfect for the court. And, and the Democrats are going to tell you how terrible, how bad and how he's going to ruin the country if he's appointed to the court. Keep in mind the Democrats said the same things about, uh, Justice Kennedy, who, uh, Gorsuch actually worked under. Uh, Kennedy was appointed by Reagan, uh, but he has been a reliable liberal judge. He sided with, uh, the Democrats and the liberals in a lot of cases, yet they said a lot of mean, nasty things about him when he was, appoint- when he was uh, appointed. So you can't listen to either side because they're trying to get their agenda across and Unless something drastically changes, he's going to get confirmed. Republicans have a 52, 52, 48 majority. I know there's been some talk about a 60 vote threshold. That's not needed. Hell, Clarence, Clarence Thomas made it in 42, 58, 42, uh, 52, 48. I want to do something about that. He made it in 52, 48. So he'll get in. And what I want to do real quick is just tell you about the man, tell you about him and let you decide. Neil Gorsuch. He ruled in the uh, Hobby Lobby case from a couple of years ago. Hobby Lobby, when Obamacare was implemented, they didn't want to uh, provide—I believe it was uh, birth control, contraception for uh, for women under the uh, Obamacare. They cited like religious, some type of religious uh, clause, and he ruled in that case, and Hobby Lobby won that case. I already told you he worked under Justice Kennedy, but I want to give you two particular cases that he ruled on. And then, Frank, I'll let you jump in. This first case I want to tell you about assistant professor Grace Wong of Kansas State University. She worked there for 15 years. She wound up getting diagnosed with cancer in like summer 2009. She requested six six months of leave, you know, to recover from her treatment. She had a bone marrow transplant and she needed to recover for it. She had the transplant in like fall of 2009. She was ready to return to work in January, That you know, January 2010. On the university campus, a flu epidemic broke out. Now, Miss Wong, with her, you know, her weak immune system after going through, you know, the, the bone marrow transplant, she requested an additional short term leave until they cleared up the flu epidemic because that would have been very dangerous for her. So she asked for the short leave. The university denied it. So she sued. Now, it's important for you to know that disability leave is a case-by-case basis, and it's based upon, are you causing your job undue hardship? And Kansas State University is a federal-funded, multimillion-dollar employer. I doubt seriously an assistant professor is going to cause them undue hardship, plus she, she offered to telecommute, because she'd done it before in her 15 years, where she's worked from home some days. Well, Gorsuch ruled on this case, and he ruled that that was unreasonable, citing that this disability leave cannot be used as a safety net for people that can't work. It wasn't that she couldn't work, she just didn't want to put herself in a dangerous situation. That's one case. The other case, which I'll be much more brief on, 2013, a 22-year-old white male, uh, was shot by a police officer with his taser gun in the head. He wound up, he wound up dying. Now his parents filed a lawsuit. Gorsuch again ruled in this case, he's dismissed the lawsuit, citing that the police officer had qualified immunity, which basically says unless a police officer is incompetent or willfully breaks the law, they can't be sued for anything. So that's the type of justice that we're getting. And I just wanted to put that out there before you began listening to Republican arguments and Democrat arguments, because they're going to be coming all this week. Frank, what did you think of Trump's pick for the Supreme Court
0: uh, justice? Well, thanks for giving that that little history on, on Gorsuch. I didn't actually have that uh, until you said it. But to be honest with you, I'm, I'm am I shocked? No, it's typical. I mean, uh, I think. Um, what, in the words of uh, Quinn and Brooker, you'll have um, Democrats are more people-oriented, and uh, Republicans tend to be more prosecutorial, like, you know, system. And I think that's the typical thing, system, you know. Uh, the system of oh the job must go on and you know you can't use this as an advantage to you or you know uh, somebody is killed and and but the officer you know it's almost like that whole argument well uh, the officer is in danger and so you know they act and you know however they act it's, it's justified because they're in a dangerous job but they're the ones who are armed but I mean that's either here nor there but I just think it's typical conservative stuff so um, you know my thing is I don't know. The thing that I find interesting is, yes, a conservative justice will tilt the balance back. But Scalia was conservative, and Obamacare passed. So I'm trying to figure out how Obamacare would be repealed. If you can answer this question on the other side, how Obamacare can be repealed by just by adding one conservative justice when the justice that pre- passed had already voted against Obamacare. So you're basically replacing that vote with another conservative vote. So how are they going to overturn some of these things just because they add one more conservative justice? Well, it it.
1: I guess the hope for conservatives would be that it doesn't get to the court. Obamacare went to the court, uh, because a lot of states sue, uh, on, for different reasons or whatever. So it wound up going to the Supreme Court with this new repeal thing that Republicans are trying to do. It just needs to pass the House and pass the Senate and be signed by Trump. And unless, you know, governors of different states uh, you know, rebel against it, then it'll be it'll be fine and it won't even have to go to the court. Uh, I did want to talk in depth about the Muslim ban, but not from a political standpoint. Before I do, though, Frank, I can't leave without touching on this Bessie DeVos, whose confirmation vote should be this week as you hear this show. Uh Right now, Frank, as I as I said, with uh Salim Muhammad. Uh, I can't remember if we said it on air or or, or offline, but right now, folks, it's 52 Republicans and 48 Democrats in the Senate. Two Republicans have already said that they're not going to vote for her, which brings it to 50 50. For those of you that don't know, the vice president is the president of the Senate who gets to vote whenever there's a 50 50 tie. So right now it's a 50 50 tie. And as you know, Pence is the vice president. So he would be he would make it 51 50. A lot of people in the media are focusing on the dumb comments that she made during her hearing, which was funny and they were, you know, pretty dumb to ignore. But I think what, what frightens me even more, Frank, with this pick is she has come across as very anti-public schools. She has fought to take money from public schools and give it to private schools. Uh, her, her justification for that is that, you know, uh, I guess lesser income kids should have the same access as rich kids to you know private school educations but you know people are cited that her kids have never gone to public schools she's never been to public schools so i'm just wondering maybe you can help me out with this how can somebody that will be over public schools help public schools when they have spent
0: their life being against public schools help me out with that brother i need to drop the chris rock um that Chris Rock where he said, "How are you gonna make weed policy if you never smoked the chronic?" I mean, that's that's pretty much all I have. It's like you got people in a position if you can't, as you know, empathize with with the situation. How can you, how can you possibly um, make a policy that's fair to people uh, who who don't, you know, who, who basically? I mean, it's the same thing with Ben Carson and housing. It's like I mean, I don't know how he grew up. Maybe I'm speaking out loud. I don't know how guy grew up. But it just seems that some the people in Trump's cabinet are out of touch with reality and they're touching so many people's lives uh, and, and could be in a negative way. So, I mean, I just I don't really have anything to say other than the fact that, you know, this was supposed to be the draining of the swamp. How's that going?
1: Just getting filled with billionaires.
0: Uh, we, we spoke on this a little bit with uh,
1: Celine on the Muslim ban. We even touched on it last week. And Frank and I, we try to begin the show with a, a non-political topic and we try to end it with a non-political topic. So, But I want to talk about this Muslim ban and I won't make it political. Here's what I want to say about this travel ban or Muslim ban that some people say isn't a Muslim ban even though Trump in the beginning called it a Muslim ban, people are saying that no, it's just the seven countries that are no longer in the IMF. Whole bunch of different opinions. None of that matters because this is what I want to say. Senator Cotton, uh, went on the, the Senate floor this week, well last week, and he stated that only 193 people have been affected. I guess that was the number at the time. I'm sure it's more now. He said only 193. What, where's our empathy? Okay. It's easy to say that when it's not affecting you. And we need to stop acting like people are coming over here like the very next day. When we vet somebody, the average folks, do you know, the average amount of time to vet someone to come here is 18 months. So Trump is talking about extreme vetting. I don't know how much more vetting you can do after 18 months. Either they can come or they can't. And for Senator Cotton to say that, you know, it, it just shows a lack of empathy. Because I've seen people like Senator Cotton, uh, business people, I take. I take public transportation sometimes in D.C. I've seen how rude people are just for running late, just for running late by a couple of minutes or or, or 15 minutes. They they're pushing and and, and running, almost running people over to get to where they're getting. Now, imagine not being able to come into a tight into an entire country because this president has said you can't come. Now, I worked at TSA for a while. And I used to screen people just doing my job just for doing my job. Some people were catching attitude because they were running late and now they want me to rush my job so they can catch their plane. But they don't see any problem with people being held up for days and weeks at a time when they catch an attitude when they're running five minutes late, five minutes late. So the lack of empathy in this country is just really concerning. I look at, you know, the 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 women's, the women's march that was a couple of weeks ago, and I was, I, I said it at the time, I was impressed by the turnout. That was a great turnout nationwide, in D.C., everywhere, worldwide, actually. Where were some of these women doing these Black Lives Matter marches? You know, I know that they want to be against this Trump campaign, but black people, you know, for years have been saying that, This country is unfair and and has some problems and isn't perfect. But whenever it seems like whenever black people call America out on its ills, we get called un-American and how we need to be how we need to just shut up and, and, and appreciate what we have. This man just ran the entire campaign and became the president by saying America is no good and he's the only one in the world that can fix it. I was talking to somebody from Baltimore and I'm going to finish up and let you jump in, Frank. But I was talking to somebody from Baltimore about jobs, and we was talking about how he didn't think McDonald's employees should be paid $15 an hour for flipping burgers or, or whatever like that. And I, and in the same argument, I said, well, you know, those people just don't want to be poor, and I'd rather they get a raise to where they're not out trying to jack somebody because they're poor and make a much better wage, he says, well, they need to get a better job, as though you can just wake up in the morning and say, give me a better job, and you get it just like that, like, no empathy whatsoever, I've been out of work before, I know what it's like, I know the hustle, and it's just, I don't know why people lack the ability to see things from other people's point of view, Tim Wise touched on this, and I believe LBJ even said this a long time ago, As far as white people in this country, Tim Wise especially said it, it wasn't always called white and black. The whole color thing was made so that white people, even poor white people, can look at black people and say, well, okay, you're beneath me. Not all white people, of course, but, you know, you're beneath me and we need to keep you down, and it creates this division that we constantly have in this country, and I just want to say this, Frank, we have got to find a way to develop some type of empathy and and, and better understanding. We're so scary in this country. We call ourselves the land of the free, home of the brave. But it's slowly turning into fields of the enslaved, living quarters of the afraid. As we excuse away warrantless wiretaps by saying, well, I don't have anything to hide and we allow this country to treat people that don't. They don't look like you, They look different from you, but are treated completely unfairly and unjust at times. If we don't start standing up and speaking out 10 years from now, Trump will be viewed as a moderate, giving way to someone that's even more extreme. And if you don't believe me, think back to how you thought about Bush and Cheney 10 years ago in 2007. Think about that for a minute, how they were the worst pair we've ever seen. And now. I've heard some people say, man, I wouldn't mind if Bush was in office now. That's how it works. It continues to build and build and build until we stand up and and, and not stand for and have empathy for people, other people that don't just look like us, but look different from us. Um, Just wanted to get that off my chest, man. You can take it from here.
0: Man, I love it. I love the fact that the show is bookended by two great rants. I won't. I won't definitely. I won't take away from anything he said, but I just. I just feel like that was spot on. There's no empathy, and I just think that at the end of the day, you know, if you fully understand how life started and the fact that we all came from actually one, one, you know, group of people, you know, over a period of time, obviously skin color changed due to climate and stuff. It's ironic that we we have these, these racial things anyway, that we even invented these things. But uh, we just have to, like you said, be accountable and, and do what we can. Make sure we're, you know, like you said, make sure we're kind to people that, that we see that are different than us. Because, you know, it starts one person at a time. America is made up of a nation of people. And right now we have a lot of hateful people in this nation that are, like you said, very scared of other people. Um, this Muslim ban is only... The only reason it's even going on as long as it has is because there is this fear that people are like, well, yeah, it's probably not right, but I'd rather be safe than sorry. And that's very, very scary thinking, Um, the inaction of people who are like, well, you know, it sucks for them, but, you know, at least, you know, we're going to worry about, you know, jihad tonight. And it's it's a very, very naive way of thinking. Yeah, I just uh, appreciate you letting me get that off my chest,
1: man, a good follow up. Uh, I want to thank everybody once again for tuning in. Again, I want to thank the new listeners as well as the other listeners. I think all the listeners. We really appreciate you tuning in. We love the feedback that we get. Remember, subscribe. We're on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, uh P- Google Play Podcast. We're, we're everywhere, so check us out. Uh also want to send a shout-out to Quentin Brooker, QB. Tune in to QB Law TV, man. It's good stuff, especially Episode 8. It was very informative, man. I can't wait to have you back on, QP.
0: And uh,
1: as always, Frank, I appreciate the things you do behind the scenes for this podcast. Go ahead and take us out, man.
0: Yeah, again, thank you, thank you, all the listeners. If you're first time listening, we thank you for listening. Uh, again, those apps that I mentioned earlier during my first uh, rant during the show is a uh, Vote Spotter and Countable. Uh, you can download them and, like I said, keep track and understand what's being voted on and how your representatives and congressmen are voting and see if it matches up with what you voted for them to do. That's very important. And hold them accountable at the ballot box, you know, at midterms and things like that. Uh, just, again, thank you, for everybody who listens, who shares our posts on Facebook. We appreciate that. We really do appreciate all the feedback that we get. We do this show. Uh, we're learning a lot doing this show. We just want to thank, again, Salim Ham for coming on. Uh, we're just, uh, like I said, grateful to do this show and grateful to be in the position that we're in in this country. Uh, so with that, we'll see you guys soon on another episode of Politically Entertaining.
1: Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates.